You're listening to Sleigh Ride from The Grinch, released November 10th, 2000, composed by Pierre Roger. What's up, BG Maniacs? Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, he is the host of The Movie Bar, every month with the dyad, Spedroff. What is up, man? What Back for is up? My my second episode of 2023. Yeah. Back for your redemption story. That's right. That's right. Last time we fell, this time we pick ourselves back up. Well, start doing that hero thing again. 
Yeah, but before we pick you up, real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcast or whichever app you chose to listen to us on it. Drop us a quick rating and review. It really does help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing, and if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continue to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexx and Zenku. So yeah, man, this was another you topic. Kind of went hand in hand with what we did, well, almost two weeks ago by the time you hear this, if everything posts on time. But several episodes <laughs> ago when we explored the idea of fallen heroes. Yep. Yeah, so... I told the story of how that idea came to be, and then this one, we were just kind of looking for something to follow up, and I threw out, what about redemption? I feel like that would be a good sort of part two. So, yeah, here we are. Yeah, and I think we hinted that a few of the characters we featured last week or whenever, a couple episodes ago on the Fallen Heroes episode, that some of them could technically maybe qualify. We may have said this off air with redemption stories as well. And I think there are a few and I don't think, yeah, we didn't bring any crossovers. So nothing from that episode made this episode. No, but I think maybe a couple of one or two characters that we mentioned last time uh, looks like they will still be making an appearance. Not, you know, we didn't play their songs, but we maybe mentioned who they are. Um, Not very true. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, an audible mention last week does show up. Uh, well, two of them, actually. One for me and one for you. Yep, there we go. There we go. And this uh, this is much more uplifting topic than, you know, the fallen heroes idea. And so I'm glad we're kind of, well, I was going to say we're ending the month on this. This is actually radio hour always ends the month it does so, you know but it does <laughs> indeed um and yeah dad you know we haven't actually posted them yet as a time of recording but before this episode airs you will have two nice spotlight episodes to uh go back and enjoy in river city girls 2 and crisis core final fantasy 7 reunion looking there forward to those i've yeah. already listened to most of the river city girls 2 soundtrack oh, how could you not it's so good uh, always yeah always nice to hear that again i haven't sought out any of the final fantasy uh, the crisis core ones so That'll be, you know, pleasantly new for me. Nice. And I have finished that game, too. Um, I did finish it, so I will have some things to say in that episode, so it won't just be music. I, I'm going to try before I post the River City Girls 2 episode. I'm going to try to play it, so that way I can at least talk about the game before I do that episode. That's my plan. And if anybody out there is like me and doesn't have any idea what this has to do with the Final Fantasy VII story, you can listen to that episode and find out. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Indeed. So. Well, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, because of Sephiroth, obviously. That's kind of what we're talking about it and why it's... We, oh, mentioned it, we even mentioned it uh, in the, in the episode Fallen Heroes episode that he would count. Yeah. And I said that I didn't bring anything because of not being able to play One-Winged Angel. And I forgot about a track that actually plays during Crisis Core. So I could have brought something. <laughs> well, you know... But that's okay. Uh, will, that's okay. I will tell you, though, um, the... The opening track is a character who, in popular culture, may actually be Dude. as well known as Sephiroth. I thought I thought Frank had come back to the show and was putting tracks on the playlist when I saw this on there. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't know. I, when I first saw this uh, this pop up, I, I thought of the Grinch when this whole idea came up. He's sort of one of the iconic redeemed rascals in pop culture, but I had no idea if there was any good Grinch music out there. But this this release, this PlayStation this did release. version <laughs> of the Grinch, 
Um, it's got some pretty good stuff. Never played it, never heard of it, but even the YouTube comments on the songs I listened to were all like, oh man, I forgot how good this game's music is. So Okay, so you're, you're saying it's got some good music. Oh yeah, I have nothing. Okay. I know. Not, I know. This idea, game is like a game. fifty on Metacritic. I thought you were saying it had some like good <laughs> gameplay. It's like, no, nah, man, it doesn't. This is this is this is like Frank bringing a Rugrats track to the episode. But this <laughs> is actually sure good. People out there who really like it. Yeah, this, this is was actually a good. good. Song. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. It's catchy. It's got a nice. You, you know, you're just you just missed the season because it has a nice Christmassy feel, even right. though we are still in winter. We're still in winter, you know. And the can sleigh still ride, technically if, take a sleigh ride. If this is what I'm thinking of, then this technically, I get. Well, it doesn't take place after Christmas. It actually takes place on Christmas morning because it's when he's bringing the presents back, which is his moment of redemption. You know, this it is. is when his heart grows three sizes. Ooh, and, uh, are, are are you planning to like bring everybody's moment of redemption? <laughs> no. Not okay, at all. good. Because um, I thought you were about to really upstage me on this episode. Nope, nope, not at all. Um, but. This, uh, yeah, so I thought this was a nice, playful opener that a lot of people would be familiar with. Gives a good idea of what we're going for. You know, this is the dude who's maybe hasn't been the big bad, but has at least been sort of a villain. And then at a pivotal moment, turns it around and either saves the day or helps to save the day. And sometimes it's cleaning up their own mess, like in The Grinch. Sometimes it's, you know, just helping out against a, a bigger evil, but... Um, yeah, so, but I tell you, I don't know a whole lot about some of these tracks that you brought, so you want to And just this coming up block or block? entirely? Um, let me, let me take a look here. Let me take a look. Because um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was entirely outside of, like, maybe one or two. Yeah, I mean, I know some of these series and yeah. stuff, but yeah. as far as the games themselves, no. I And especially the characters, not much not much recognition at all so okay well cool this is gonna be a fun episode um i am familiar with basically all the characters you brought except for one even though i am familiar with him i just don't know anything about him um but i think this is gonna be a really fun episode and we have a lot of differences in the characters that we brought how their redemption arcs you know get seen through and the types of music we're gonna be playing so i'm excited to do this yeah i know that at least a couple of the series here in this first block you're about to you're about to bring uh, are well-known for their really good music. Yeah. So. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump to that first block then. We will kick things off with Gray Fox theme from Metal Gear Solid. This released on October 21st, 1998, and it was composed by Kazuki Morioka, Hiroyuki Togo, Takanari Ishiyama, Lee Jean Myung, and Maki Kirioka.
Up next, let's take a listen to Zed's theme from Wild Arms Alter Code F. This released on November 15th, 2005, and it was composed by Michiko Naruke. Last up in my first block, let's take a listen to Shadow of Revan, otherwise known as Revan's Theme, from Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. This released on July 15th, 2003, and it was composed by Jeremy Soule. Thank you. 
And we are talking about Gray Fox's theme from Metal Gear Solid, again, composed by a, a plethora of people. Um, I guess I could say the names again. Kazuki, Murioka, Hiroyuki Togo, Takanari Ishiyama, Lee Jiang Myung, and Maki Kirioka. There's just so many. And I couldn't find a breakdown. I know I've looked before, but I looked again, and I still can't find a breakdown. Yeah. But, that, but that's okay. That's okay. So we yeah, listen. on some of those, for some reason, it's just still difficult. Oh, yeah, and it always will be. Especially for games that weren't made in the 2000s and more specifically probably mm-hmm. even like 2010 and beyond. But um, we listened to the Gray Fox theme from the original Metal Gear Solid. Gray Fox himself, real name Frank Yeager, a mercenary and former agent of U.S. Special Forces Unit Foxhound. Originally and outside of the game, like in lore setup, he was a child soldier um, and was the only operative in Foxhound to achieve the code name Fox. This is why he's named Gray Fox, which is the unit's highest commendation, and he was decorated himself five different times throughout his life. So, originally, Gray Fox was Solid Snake's comrade and friend during the Outer Heaven Uprising, but his loyalty to Renegade Commander Big Boss, a character we talked about last, or, well, on Fallen Heroes, that episode, forced him into combat with Snake during the Zanzibar land disturbance. He survived the injuries following an intense battle, after which he was forcibly outfitted with a powered exoskeleton and subjected to intense gene therapy. And this is kind of when you meet him in the original game, Metal Gear Solid. When you actually fight him in that game, he looks like this. So he looks like that exoskeleton of a, of a ninja almost, and it's just a really badass looking character. So yeah, Gray I know this character first from uh, Super Smash Bros. Brawl. When Snake showed up, he was uh, Gray Fox was an assist trophy. Oh, nice! That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So uh, Gray Fox later confronts Snake as a neutral force during the Shadow Moses incident, which again is still part of the original game, under the guise of the Cyborg Ninja, before dying at the hands of Liquid Snake and Metal Gear Rex, and kind of like his redemption back with Snake to help put a stop to the Metal Gear project, or at least attempt to. And uh, he was always the, uh, the character... If you ever have listened to Max Level when Sean is on there and he has his soundboard, and mm-hmm. if you ever hear Deep Throat, <laughs> that's Gray Fox's code name, Deep Throat. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, see, it's so crazy because I've never played these games. Every once in a while, I'll find myself doing research on the Metal Gear stuff, and it's... It's, it's pretty it's, wild, man. It's wild. It goes so many places, and then I'm like, oh, man, that's really cool. And then I forget about it, and then I hear it again, and that right there is an example of that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty – It's. I mean, it's Kojima, so you know what you're getting when it comes to Kojima. The dude knows how to tell an amazing story full of multiple, multiple webs of characters and plot points and just keep everything flowing. It's crazy. This track yeah, wild is the word. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, man. This track. I like the uh, Asiatic flutes. Yeah, this track is definitely it is a battle theme kind of. I mean, you do hear it when you are going against Gray Fox. 
so it's more subdued in that nature. But I feel like it fits his character as well, since he does have that appearance of that cyborg ninja and the the flutes, as you mentioned, being a very like Japanese inspired thing. Like it, it works out really well. Yeah, that's um, I like I said, I don't know this story super well, so it is cool to hear, you know, hear about this. Uh, Gray Fox is obviously kind of a you know, badass dude. And so it's nice to know that he's got his own sort of redemption arc and that there's some nobility to this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I started trying to segue a second ago and then I heard you start talking about the track itself. Uh, as I was saying, you know, that you, we talked about the we stories. We have not talked about it yet. Games going kind of wild. Um, <laughs> I didn't even pick up and, on uh, what you were trying to do there, but yeah, the, uh, the, the emphasis on wild. wild. Yeah. Speaking of wild <laughs> several minutes ago, we transition <laughs> into the middle track of the block there, which is Zed's theme from wild arms, alter code F. Again, this was composed by Michiko Naruke and is the remake to the original Wild Arms that released on the PlayStation back in okay, the cool. 90s sometime. Um, Sean is a massive fan of the Wild Arms series. I have played all the games. I, I wouldn't consider myself a massive fan. I would love to see the series come back because it's a great series. But, you know, I do hold other JRPGs a little bit higher in my in my echelon of like rankings or whatever. But Wild Arms is a freaking it's a freaking great game, a great series even. And Zed, the character we are talking about for the redemption. So when the gate generator gets destroyed early on, Zed finds himself in the ruins of St. Centaur, where he meets the only survivor, a blind girl by the name of Aura. He falls in love with her and vows to protect her, but unfortunately, when the party finds him, he panics and attacks them. And when he's finally defeated, he promises to help Aura. In Alter Code, Zed's dedication to protect Aura causes him to join the group as a playable character, because he wasn't playable before in the original game. As he gains in power, the El Vasim actually purifies his sword, and I don't know if I said any of those words right, but it actually <laughs> purifies his sword and reduces Zed's overall demon influence. And when the world, or when he saves the world, he returns triumphant to Aura for good. And it says here that, and because I don't remember hardly anything about Zed, I just remember that he had a redemption arc in the game, but I couldn't remember how and why because it's been so long. So I had to look this mm -hmm. up. This one I had to look up. And it says here that the, uh, though Zed is over a thousand years old, it's hinted that he spent nearly all of that time in hibernation along with the Quarter Knights. Physically and certainly emotionally, he's no older than the main group of characters. So they're saying like his mental state or mental mental age or whatever is, is still like a, a younger person since he spent so much time in hibernation. But yeah, he's he's a he's a metal demon basically, like T TLDR metal demon was bad <laughs> and eventually fell in love with a party member and became good. There you go, love. Love can do that for sure. Sorry, man. <clears throat> love can um, make you tired, apparently. Love. <laughs> uh, the right kind of love, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, but I, I don't have any firsthand experience with the Wild Arms series, but I really like the premise. Um, yeah, anything that mixes like cowboy culture with other stuff. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a Texas boy, but that's just, that's my thing. Um, and it's funny because I'm not really super into Westerns. You know, I'll always watch one if it's on, but like the whole Western motif is not something I've like, it, it, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan really. Um, 
so it's interesting that things like Firefly and Cowboy Bebop and Wild Arms I always find really intriguing because of that mix. But man, this is my track of the block. This was fantastic. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I mean, you really can't go wrong with Machiko Naruke and Wild Arms music. It's usually always pretty damn good. Yep. Definitely so. Definitely so. And don't uh, feel any shame at having to look up anything. I think I had to... Oh, that, that's fine. I have no shame yeah, in admitting look that. Up. <laughs> well, you have no shame at all anyway, but... No, that's um... totally true. I, don't, I, don't, I really don't give a shit about anything. I did tell you while we were listening to that block of music that I am excited to hear what Michiko Naruke and Matoi Sakuraba actually put out for the Ayuden Chronicles 100 Heroes soundtrack later this year when that game comes out. That should be pretty dope. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be really fun to listen to. I think listening to this and knowing Sakuraba's style, I feel like that's going to be a really good mix. I think they're going to complement each other well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to hear it, and I'm sure you guys will hear songs from that soundtrack on future episodes I'd, I'd be willing to bet on it and our last track in that block there comes from star wars knights of the old republic and we listen to shadow of revan otherwise known as revan's theme which was composed again by jeremy soul now knights of the old republic is probably <sighs> yeah it's still probably my favorite star wars series or or yeah, it is a series. There's two of them. Series of games. Um, I was thinking of like Rogue Squadron, Rogue Leader, the GameCube. That also was a series. I think there was two games. I don't think there was three. And then mm-hmm. now with Star Wars Jedi, uh, Survivor releasing in March and Fallen Order releasing two-ish, three-ish years ago. Um, those are probably my favorite Star Wars experiences. And I put a lot of time into the Old Republic MMO RPG for Star Wars. So when, when a Star Wars games really hooks me, it, it, it tends to really sink in because I really enjoy the lore and the atmosphere of just Star Wars in general and getting to go to all of these different environments and locales that we likely will probably never be able to see something similar to. I just think that's pretty dope. It's interesting that I never got into um, the Star Wars games because I I like the Star Wars franchise quite a bit. Um, I do think it's kind of sad that they don't explore more of the galaxy in their, you know, most of their media, although the Clone Wars TV show uh, did a pretty good job of showing, you know, different things. Um, But the games do go to a lot of other places. And yet, the only Star Wars game I've ever really gotten into is Shadows of the Empire on the N64. I've um, played some other ones here and there. I did own the Super series on the SNES. But, like, the Star Wars games since Shadows of the Empire have been really, really sparse for me. So... It's always cool when I when I listen to something and kind of, you know, compare it to that original John Williams music. And Jeremy Soule does a... Um, you said this was Jeremy Soule, right? Yeah, and he does a great job, like, kind of mimicking yeah, that style. He does a really good job here. Yeah, really, really phenomenal job mimicking that style. So, talking about Revan specifically, Revan gets introduced during the background, initially, of Knights of the Old Republic. Prior to the game setting, he was a Jedi Knight and hero of the Mandalorian Wars, which now ties into the Mandalorian, which is kind of cool. But for unknown reasons, 
Revan went dark. He went to the dark side, establishing his own Sith Empire and calling himself Dark Lord of the Sith, or just, you know, um, Darth Revan is what he's known as sometimes throughout the game. Mm, Um, Revan took his fellow Jedi and close friend Alec as his Sith apprentice, rechristened him as Darth Malak, and their victory over the Republic seemed assured until their fleet became ensnared in a Jedi trap. So Bastilla Shan led a strike team of Jedi aboard their ship, and as they were getting ready to engage, Malak interrupted, kind of took all the glory, seized it on his own to kill the Jedi and betray Darth Revan so that the Sith Empire would then become his. And Malak... Um, his own ship ended up firing upon Revan's, bombarding the vessel and wiping away Revan, assumingly, and the Jedi. But Revan ends up getting saved and gets retrained, in, in bunny quotes, as a Jedi because there is some plausible theories and supporting evidence that, you know, he kind of was retrained against his will, right? (laughs) Like the reason he becomes good is, is not really all his doing, but he does maintain the memories of what happened and doesn't ever renounce the light, right? Doesn't ever go against the Jedi. So most people seem to think that even though it probably wasn't his choice initially, he's okay with what happened. And as a reformed Jedi, he redeems himself by helping to defeat the very army that he created. So this story from light to dark to light again is a pretty memorable one and and is a lot of what Knights of the Old Republic is centered around. He's a pretty big character. Very cool, man. Very cool. Yeah, that sounds like something I'm going to have to dig into a little bit. I um I have some Star Wars game that was on pretty cheap on Steam recently. Let me see. Uh, or it might have been on Epic. Oh, so I have Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, that's the uh, Respawn Entertainment game that came out a few years ago. The same studio that made Titanfall. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. Freaking gotcha. awesome game. Highly recommend it. The sequel comes out in two months. Well, I will get into that soon then. I have been playing more games this year, so that's... Uh, yeah, Mr. Five so far. Mr. Know, five, right? five time. Five time. time of, five time. time of recording. Five, time. It's, uh, five games time, defeated. Timestamp. It's uh, the, the 11th of January, 111, and I've played... I've beaten five games in the last 11 days. It's... You, Weird. <laughs> you finished more games in the first this first eleven days of this year than you probably finished all of last year. You're on a roll. I know, right? Right? Uh, and I mean, it's all you know, small little indie games. Uh, Hellshaker, which took maybe an hour, maybe. Um, Octodad, Dadliest Catch, V V V V V V, which was so fun. Oh man, such a fun little game. I can't it believe is. I sat on it for all these years. Um, Gato Roboto, and then. I got the uh, the expansion pass for Nintendo Switch Online with some Christmas money, and the first game that I played when I booted up the N64 was Mario 64, and I just powered it. How could you not? Yeah, how could you the not? The 70 stars I needed to beat the game, and yeah. How could you not make that the first thing you go into? Exactly, dude. And it's so good. It, it's still so good. Camera, still, still, still my favorite Mario game. Still so, so good. Well. Still my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good. It's so good. Any uh, redemption arcs in Mario? Well, yes, later on. Never mind. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, we got one a little bit later, but yeah, and, you know, I wouldn't call it a redemption arc, but <laughs> Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars, when uh, Bowser's dynamic on the team, he's he's the funniest character in the game. I love him so much. Oh, by far. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So, so there's one. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a couple of fallen hero situations in Mario as well. Uh, last time I was going to bring uh, the Mr. L theme from Super Paper Mario, which is like Luigi's evil alter ego uh, when he gets brainwashed by the big bad. But honestly, the music wasn't that great. But well, there but you go. Speaking of Paper Mario, we might have something a little bit later. But indeed, indeed. But the segue I have right now has yeah, you more have a, to do with you got the uh, Sith one. Lords. Indeed. Because you, you did your smart organizing again this time. You mentioned this is the only time in the episode you were able to. But Yeah, it's the only time <laughs> it makes sense. But man, this one's a good one. So It is. And I'm really excited to be able to bring this next track because it's actually a little bit layered from what I was able to find out as far as the, the redemption thing. But it's also one of those rare times when we get to play a track that originated outside of video games. And man, this is one of the great Star Wars tracks of all. Oh yeah, I, I had a feeling you'd be like all over this, so take it away. Yeah, from uh, Soul Calibur Four, we're going to be listening to the Darth Vader theme. This is actually a special Darth Vader theme, from what I looked up. This is Duel of the Fates. Uh, this game was released July 29, two thousand eight. This track was, of course, originally composed by John Williams for um, Episode One. And uh, this version was arranged for Soul Calibur 4 by Junichi Nakatsuru.
Next up, we're going to take a listen to Loss of Me, Beatrix theme, from Final Fantasy IX, released November 13th, 2000, composed by Nobuo Uematsu. Closing out this block, we're going to listen to The Theme of Trish from Devil May Cry, released October 16, 2001, and composed by Masami Ueda.
coming back, talking about an iconic piece of music. That was Duel of the Fates, uh, the version from Soul Calibur 4. And man, you mentioned you were glad I brought this. I'm glad I brought this too. I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad. You know, it follows up nicely with the uh, the Darth Revan track from before. But since we had mentioned Vader on that Fallen Heroes episode, I'm, I'm glad that you had some representation from him on this episode um yeah and i mean you know i really think between the two between the two episodes vader fits better under fallen heroes than he does redemption i would say so yes he he kind of redeems himself at the end but especially as time has gone on and we've learned more about the just the atrocities committed under um his you know campaign against the jedi uh, one moment at the end when he throws his boss, who he's already mad at, down an elevator shaft to save his estranged son. I don't know that that quite makes up for everything, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, in his uh, mind, in his mind, it's all that matters. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess so. But um, the cool thing about this track is this theme, apparently, is what plays in Soul Calibur Four after you unlock... Um, Starkiller is his sort of, I guess, uh, unofficial name, but the main character <laughs> of The Force Awakens, who is Vader's apprentice. Um, you can unlock him in this game, and this track plays whenever Vader and Starkiller face off against each other in a fight. And apparently, in The Force Awakens games, which I own, but again, have not played, uh, and I don't, know, I don't know if this is a choice thing or if it's part of the actual story, but Starkiller eventually turns against Vader and decides to fight for the rebellion. And so, yeah, you kind of got got a double double thing going on here. But I don't really care. The whole point of this is that, <laughs> hey, I can bring Duel of the Fates. <laughs> so, yeah. I can, put, I can get John Williams on the episode. I'm going to do it. And, man, it's in, in, a, in a series with such a fantastic score all the way around. Um, this is really one of the high points. I love Duel of the Fates so much. It's such a recognizable piece from Star Wars that, you know, most fans that have seen the movies are, are going to recognize this. So hearing this in a game, like playing as that character, it's just, that's like a really cool moment. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. It's so cool. And it's so well done. It's so well implemented. And, uh, you know, I know Vader's story really well. Uh, Star Killers, not so much. Um, and this next track in my, my first block, I don't really know Beatrix's story from Final Fantasy IX at all, except what I looked up. But well, that's, a, that's unfortunate. I know that this is your favorite Final Fantasy. So No, it's not. Final Fantasy VIII is. Not. Oh, eight. That's right. Eight. Eight is. <laughs> um, man, I can't remember who's is Final Fantasy IX. Final Fantasy IX is good. Of, it's yeah, real it good. It gets a lot of praise. It's real um, good. And there are rumors of a, of a remake coming soon for this game so I yep. would love to play through that if they do that but yeah I'm familiar with Final Fantasy 9 quite a bit um, I love this game it's phenomenal and Beatrix herself is the general of the Alexandrian army and she's like one of the best highest ranking Alexandrian kind of military people right that aren't really of royal blood I guess 
and I'm trying to remember. So we don't know where she came from, but she did show up to Alexandria and developed a rivalry with Steiner, who is another playable character in the game. He's the he's the guy that wears the knight, like the suit of armor almost, and carries around that like jousting stick. Mm-hmm. Like a I lance. Guess. I don't know what those are called. Yeah, no, yeah. Thank you, Lance. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they, they developed this rivalry and something happens that I can't remember. I would love to play for this game again, but I'll never probably go back and play through the original. That's why I'm looking forward to that remake um, between the disagreement between Beatrix and Steiner because they don't see eye to eye and she ends up going off to be against them more or less and starts the game out as your enemy helping Queen Braun obtain something. I don't remember what it was that was required to summon the Eidolons, which were the summons in Final Fantasy IX. You know, Ifrit, Bahamut, Odin, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So Beatrix is helping this enemy queen obtain these things to summon these Eidolons, as well as taking out other potential threats on the continent. But throughout the course of the entire game, you do work on... Some things, well, not you, because you're not playing as Beatrix, but Beatrix works on some things and eventually discovers that the Queen Braun has a plan to get rid of Garnet, who is the, she's not playable either, but, um, like the main female character in Final Fantasy IX, the one that Zidane is kind of enamored with. So the Queen has a plan to get rid of her and conquer the world, and Beatrix, I guess, is like the Grinch. Her heart grew three times that day because (laughs) she sides with Zidane and his crew and pledges her allegiance to Princess Garnet and helps take down the queen. And then some stuff happens after that, but we get to basically ending scenes that I don't remember. Uh, She does something, you know, she's still good at the end of the game. Um, Steiner tries to get back together with her or you hook up with her after their disagreement, so they're doing some goofy thing. But uh, <laughs> she's she's a pretty cool character, man. And the story of Final Fantasy IX is, is really strong, which is why it's one of the big reasons it's held up so much to this day and so beloved is, is it has a really great narrative. That's really cool. Uh, this is one that I got on the Switch when they were released a couple years ago. And I uh, still haven't played through very much of it, but I have been meaning to get back to it, so... Uh, this is really cool. This is like a, a whole type of redeemed, um, you know, of redemption is the henchman who either realizes that their big bad is, you know, actually bad and, you know, <laughs> joins the side of right. Or maybe the big villain does something, you know, to piss them off. And so they, they're like, well, screw this. I'm going to go join the other side just to take you down. <laughs> but yeah. either way, you know, it it works. Definitely works. Oh, no, it still um, works. It fits. It absolutely fits. And I love this track, dude. It's so beautiful. You know, I'm realizing, I think this is the first time, except for the little bit I've played of Final Fantasy IX, and maybe like a total of five minutes of Devil May Cry that I played on my friend's PlayStation back when, when he had this game. Uh, I don't think I have played any of the games on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah, so because... so not only have I played all of the games that I brought from, I've also played from one, two, three, four, five, five of the seven you brought. So I, I, haven't, haven't, I haven't played, played the Grinch and I haven't played uh, Dragon Ball. Yeah, I haven't played any of yours either. <laughs> wow, it's crazy. What are you even but doing? I don't even know. 
Um, play, play in V, 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 V. That's right. I think I, that's think right. I put an extra V in there, but that's okay. You can never have too many Vs. V, 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 V. Yeah, you did. You did. There's an extra yeah. seventh V in there. It's okay. But, it's a sequel. Coming um, soon. I, I mentioned that because we're now coming up on another really iconic, really popular game, Devil May Cry. Indeed. And I, I kind of know that Trish is the sort of rival slash love interest of Dante, the main character, but I don't really know much about her story arc through the first game. Except okay. that apparently she starts out as kind of an antagonist, but she then does. by the end she's helping you. Yeah, even in Devil May Cry Five, uh, you you know she's still there. She's still part of your crew. Like you guys are still working together. But yeah, I, I can save you there too. So the original Devil May Cry, um, Trish initially comes to seek Dante's help, I guess, in defeating Mundus, which is or was the king of the underworld. And it's later revealed that Trish was created by this dude, Mundus, to lure Dante to the underworld to kill him. Uh So Trish fails to kill Dante, isn't able to do it. But when her life is basically at risk, Dante, after being a dude, right, developing feelings, chooses to save her because the ultimate reason she resembles his mom. Ah, okay. Gotcha. So... Just got mom issues, yeah. but man, that, that was the whole the whole thing that uh, <laughs> Batman v Superman hinged on, man. Yeah, it's got mommy <laughs> issues. That's okay. It's okay. So, <laughs> so Mundus ends up capturing Trish, plans to kill her. Dante goes after this dude, and a whole bunch of other stuff happens. But um, yeah, Dante and Trish, you know, some other things happen. I don't remember everything that happens, but she starts bad trying to kill him created as a project so i guess it wasn't really sort of like revan being turned back into good wasn't her fault that she was initially bad since that's how she was created but she still turns good very cool very cool well i will say about both of these tracks because i i just realized beautiful again about about the music uh beatrix theme and the theme of trish yeah yeah both really beautiful um nice nice piano uh and just uh you know an edge of a little bit of tragedy there a little bit of sadness and so yeah definitely two songs that are right up your alley for sure but absolutely yeah both characters having some tragedy in their backstory so absolutely yeah and when i picked my order i didn't do that intentionally but this was a nice combo i think because they both they work well together what if we turn that into a trio I did it. Oh, nice. Nice. (laughs) This ties in with your... Now, I have at least heard of this game. I think everybody's Mm -hmm. heard of this game. Yeah, if you haven't, then what are you doing? Um, (laughs) So, I'm kind of cheating a little bit with this pick on the episode because I've picked this track before. However, I technically haven't because (laughs) within the game, and I didn't find this out until after I had finished the story, that there are separate versions of a few of the tracks depending on if you played through the game with high honor, right? Like playing is is good and like the by the law, right? Not just killing random civilians walking around. Or if you did and you were merciless, there were low honor versions of the tracks. And I didn't know that initially. I didn't find that out till several months later. And once I found that out, I never anticipated bringing this to an episode of BG Mania because by and large, it's the same thing. It's just the tone is a bit more somber and darker and some of the instrumentation is stripped away to make it feel more empty like your life is supposed to be. So it's kind of cool. So uh, the way Bedroth and I are going to do this, I actually have both of them queued up because I want to listen to just a little bit 
of the original before we move into the actual one that I'm bringing. So let's go ahead and jump into this. We are going to take a listen to That's the Way It Is, the low honor version from Red Dead Redemption 2. This released on October 26, 2018, and it was composed by Woody Jackson featuring Daniel Lanois. This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with. Download The Media Files wherever you download podcasts, and remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. 
Next up, let's go ahead and take a listen to Katana Khan from Mortal Kombat 11. This released on April 23rd, 2019, and it was composed by Wilbert Rajat II. Last up in my block, let's take a listen to I Am The One from Dragon Age Origins, released November 3rd, 2009, composed by Einan Zur, featuring Aubrey Ashburn.
coming back in, we are talking about That's the Way It Is, the low honor version from Red Dead Redemption 2. Again, this was composed by Woody Jackson in features Daniel Lanoy on vocals. If you have high honor, which I feel like most people probably hear that version anyway. It's the one I've heard most in playthroughs when I look up reactions to this. Like I said, I didn't even know this track existed until several months after, until I finally discovered it and kind of just fell upon it. But right. um, before we talk about this, let me let me talk about Arthur as a character. So, because then I'm going to tie it into this track. Red Dead Redemption 2 follows the story of Arthur Morgan in A Band of Cowboys and acts as a prequel to the original Red Dead Redemption, which followed John Marston's story. So, you go through Arthur's arc as he progresses from the early moments of the game from this bloodthirsty outlaw to more of an anti-hero type of a character. Now, near the beginning of the game, and... Um, okay, slight spoiler warning. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> so, I know the game is four years old now, right? Four plus years old. But there may still be people that haven't experienced it yet that want to. If you want to experience some things for yourself, then probably skip ahead just two to three minutes. But um, this isn't like a major deal, but I mean, it does. I think everybody kind of knew what was going to happen to Arthur anyway at the end of the game. But um, near the beginning of the game, Arthur heads out to collect debt from a sick guy whose family is forced to watch as Arthur basically beats the hell out of him. Right. And then recollects the debt, right? Arthur's still a bad dude as you're playing through him in these early moments of the game. And later on, after several hours, like pretty deep into the game, you cross the same dude's family again. And Arthur kind of has this like moment of self-doubt or guilt but it's also at this time because Arthur has been getting sick and coughing and it's at this time that you find out that you have been infected by tuberculosis Uh. that you got from this dude that you went to like beat the hell out of and collect your debt or collect the debt so that eventually leads to Arthur's he was already on this redemption arc when he found out he was sick like he was turning a turning a new leaf, so to speak, right? He was going against a lot of what Dutch, um, Dutch Vanderland, the leader of the group that Arthur belonged to, who went up down a completely different arc throughout the game from this dude that like brought all these cowboys and this unifying leader together to this crazed outlaw. He took like the opposite arc from what Arthur did. Um, and... Anyway, Arthur basically, like I said, was already turning a new leaf, was already trying to make right for a lot of the shit that he had done wrong, but still at that moment started doing more good and like trying to save those that he thought were worth saving, such as John Marston. Um, you know, he was, he, he saw Marston as somebody that could be salvaged from the lifestyle that they had been leading all these years and all of this killing and, and stuff like that, like to get away from it, which, you know, Arthur, or I'm sorry, Marston, John would go off to in the original Red Dead Redemption, be the playable character. And, you know, like the, the sheriff of whatever town that was called in the original game. 
um, because that takes place after Arthur dies, right? Now, this track, That's the Way It Is, plays at a moment at the very end of the game, like very, very end of the game. Um, well, I guess not very end of the game. It's like the the last 30 minutes of the game. As you lead up to the final quote-unquote battle, um, Arthur is sitting on his horse and riding back to his camp, right? Still sick. He knows he's sick. He knows he's dying, but is trying to do everything he can to, to stop what he can. And on this horse, you're walking slowly up this path, and you don't have any control. Like, it's it's completely dr- Well, I guess you do, but you can only walk in a straight line. Um, and there's a few moments that Red Dead Redemption does this, and I think Rockstar implemented it so well, to where everything else in the game, like, fades away. Like, there's no UI. There's nothing. It looks like a cutscene, but you are kind of, like, moving your character forward, like, just walking in a straight path. And a track will play, such as this one. And there's, like, three other instances where this happens as well. And they're beautiful moments. And as this track is playing, Arthur is replaying a lot of moments in his mind of all of the bad things that he's done in his life and the people that he's wronged and how, you know, he wishes he could have made things better and all that kind of stuff and just kind of dealing with his own guilt of everything that he had done. This version, the low honor version, and and I don't think this is ever like said, I, I couldn't see that this is, this is just my interpretation. A lot of things are stripped away and it sounds bleaker. It sounds darker and it sounds a lot more empty and hollow as your life would be if you lived a path of, of zero honor, right? Or low honor, just absolutely killing everything you come across to just mowing them down, right? Like stealing, whatever, pillaging, like just zero credibility and zero honor. Um, you, you would yeah. get that feeling and it just, it's a lot more sad. For sure, man. This was, uh, I mean, it, it makes sense in, in <laughs> this episode for us to have a game called Red Dead Redemption on the list. Uh, but there you go. Yeah. I, uh, I had no clue about, um, about this character's actual like arc. And, uh, you know, this is another one that I almost picked up. It was on, might still be on sale, but it was on steam sale for a while. Um, and I, you know, I've heard so much about it, never played it. Um, and I didn't pull the trigger, no pun intended on, um, picking up a lot of like really big beefy games because I know I'm at least going to be playing Zelda Tears of the Kingdom and Octopath Traveler 2 this year, most likely Sea of Stars as well. And those are already, uh, you know, three pretty big, um, time commitments, but this is one it's on my bucket list because I've heard so many great things about this game. I'd highly recommend it. It is definitely a lengthy game. Uh, don't talk to Kyle about it cause he'll try to talk you out of it. But, um, <laughs> I was well, really... definitely not on sale anymore either. So I'll... no, which true, but <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed this game. I thought it was phenomenal and I am hopeful that, you know, rockstar can start making games quicker than every 10 years. I'd love to see more games from them <laughs> waiting for GTA six. Now I'll be waiting another 12 years or so for Red Dead Redemption 3 but yeah you know maybe one day moving to a studio that uh, doesn't seem to have a problem releasing no, games on a pretty no. regular basis should have another one this year honestly in, in a sequel to the that's game that this comes from yeah that's what they're saying so we are moving to Katanacon from Mortal Kombat 11 which released on April 23rd 2019 and I say that because I'm going to tie that in a second again composed by Wilbert Rodgett II now again I said this released on April 23rd 2019 Mortal Kombat X which was Mortal Kombat 10 came out on like 
April 15th of 2015. Ah, okay. NetherRealm and WB Games tend to release Mortal Kombat's in the spring. I, I tend to see April be pretty common. So if 2015 to 2019 was four years in April, 2019 to 2023 would be four years in April. I have a feeling we see Mortal Kombat 12 like in three months. Probably announced relatively soon. Maybe even shit at the Xbox third-party developer different whoever's going to be there conference that's going to be on january 25th that could be a place that they do that i don't know but um katana is a character that i've always been fond of and i I really do like a lot of the characters in mortal Kombat. it's probably my favorite fighting franchise right it's the one that i think i enjoy the most in terms of the actual gameplay the lore Mm -hmm my nostalgia factor for it because of where I was, how I old I was, who I was playing these those initial games with back in the arcades and on the Super Nintendo and Genesis. Like, Mortal Kombat has a really special place in my heart. Um, so speaking specifically about Katana, she is 10,000 years old, but in the realm of Edenia, or Edenia, where she's from, she's actually considered young and has the appearance of a young woman. Throughout the years, she rises to a really important character for her realm. She is first as the loyal stepdaughter of Shao Kahn, right? The leader, whatever he is, of the... The emperor. Yeah, something like that. Something like Um, that. She's his stepdaughter initially. I don't know the lore probably as well as you do, but but I did know that she was his daughter. Yes, stepdaughter. Um, and then eventually turns against him, so she goes against Shao Kahn, tearing herself away from him and freeing her entire realm of Adenia. And she also would eventually lead an army into Outworld to combat any chance of Shao Kahn rising to power again. Now, throughout the... And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you up to about Mortal Kombat 11, which is where this track comes from. And I'm not going to really go into what happens in Mortal Kombat 11. I think it's kind of convoluted. Um, <laughs> plus, plus, it's still fresh, right? It's still the most recent one, and a new one's coming out, so some people are going to be jumping into this. But throughout the early games and the early stories of Mortal Kombat, Katana had a love interest, which was, of course, Liu Kang. Mm -hmm. And he would eventually meet his demise in the Deadly Alliance game where he was killed. Yeah, he uh, he from what I understand, again, not going to get too specific, but could have made an appearance on our Fallen Heroes um, episode. Oh, I think he could have. Absolutely. Yeah. No, he totally could have because, you know, not only him, but Katana as well. Like they inevitably because what happens? So um, something happens in Mortal Kombat 11. I think it was 11, which is why I'm not getting into it because it's the I didn't actually finish all of 11. So I haven't seen everything, but I think that was the one that had like these different versions of Liu Kang and Kuta- uh, Katana in there that were like kind of bad again. Like they kind of went back, but it wasn't mm-hmm. really them or something like that. I don't remember exactly. I don't know. Something weird happened in the Mortal <laughs> Kombat storyline. That may have also been an older one that I, that I don't remember. I just remember something weird happened with those characters. But either way, Katana, right, started out stepdaughter Shao Kahn, not necessarily the best person um, before she joined the Earth Realm 
with Liu Kang and Raiden and all them. Like yeah. she was cold, ruthless assassin who served Shao Kahn, right? And after meeting Raiden and Liu Kang, she definitely was a lot more kinder. Um, had this more like a, a, a noble personality. And you could just tell like she was a different character. She went through a little redemption or maybe not. It's kind of, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's redemption. Um it's redemption. I mean, at least, yeah. you know, some kind of positive I mean, she helps, she helps lead against Shao Kahn, so it is redemption. So, yeah. But, like, yeah. when she turns good, it's more like an epiphany instead of a uh, redemption. But um, there is still well, a redemption know, you know, there. And a, epiphany can, can lead to redemption. You know, uh, Beatrix had a similar sort of situation happen. No, and, that's um, true. Yeah. Um, but, man, this song was, was very nice. I Isn't commented it? while we were listening that this is... This is not what I expect to hear when somebody brings up Mortal Kombat. <laughs> the soundtrack to Mortal Kombat 11 is actually really well done. Um, I think it might have been Wilbert Ro- uh, Roger the Second's first foray into Mortal Kombat music, but he did a really cool job putting a unique spin on the character themes and some of the stage themes. It, it has a lot more of a cinematic feel, and I, I kind of dig that, actually. Cool. Very cool. Well, and that and then, led uh, led really yeah. well into your next track. As as this track ended on a nice uh, epic build, right? We get into Dragon Age Origins, which starts with some beautiful vocals. We're talking about "I Am the One" again from Dragon Age Origins. This was composed by Einan Zor and features Aubrey Ashburn on vocals, who we have mentioned before on this podcast. She has done vocals on other game soundtracks as well. I remember we've we've mentioned her name. Now, the character that I am speaking about specifically from Dragon Age Origins is Liliana. However, the track that I would have brought for Liliana, Liliana's song, I've already played. So I had to pick something different, and this one still fits the feel and the vibe of her character, and it still has that emotional vibe that Leliana's song has. So I went with this one. Now, when we meet Leliana in Origins, she, right off the start, is like your archetypal um, good cleric, right? Like goody two-shoes almost. And... Yeah. She just is that type of character when you first, like, go and see her for the first time. Now, there was DLC that would release later for Origins um, that told the story of Leviana before you first met her when she was that typical good character. And the DLC actually is called Leviana's Song, and the track that I would have brought is the, the title track from that DLC release. Um, but that tells the tale of a character that is a lot more arrogant and kind of revels in putting others down. Um, definitely portray or partakes in robbing and thievery and did commit a few murders. <laughs> so she had a pretty, uh, pretty crazy backstory that we learned about and was completely the opposite of this cleric right this healer that she was initially supposed to be and well i guess bard she was a bard wasn't uh, healers and bards kind of go hand in hand and in some of these rpgs bards typically play the role of a support character with some healing mechanics to them um so she was that she was a bard and in leliana's song 
which again, not this one. I know I keep talking about that one, but like her character is supposed to be the one singing the song. It's beautiful. The first time you hear it in the game, like when she sings it after a cutscene or during a cutscene, it's chilling, dude. It's so good. It's so good. Now, um, but you know, it's lately on the story, right? Crappy character. When you first find out about her in the DLC, which was a prequel to the original game, but you would have never known that had they didn't put out the DLC. So they must have liked her character enough to, to give her a, a much more interesting backstory than some of the other characters got in that game. Um, cause it's such a dope game, dude. Actually, dang, I brought Bioware twice on this episode. Didn't even mean to do that. Um, <laughs> but I did. This is Bioware again. I was going to say, I just love Bioware so much. I was thinking, wow, I talked about Bioware earlier, but yeah, I totally did. Doubled up on Bioware today. Um, it's funny. I, I adore this series. <laughs> I mean, Dragon Age, it, it's, it's probably my favorite, honestly, of Bioware series. Mass Effect being a very, very close second. I, I love both of them so much, and I hope they redeem Mass Effect in the future. But I can't wait to see what Dragon Age Dreadwolf becomes. I'm hoping it comes out in 2023, because that's the rumor. I mean, it's it's been in development for so long, and we've seen next to nothing on it outside of storyboard pictures and still photos almost, or, you know, stop-motion photos, and just a couple things put together to make it look like a movie. Um, but the rumor is it's getting close to completion, so it might be out this fall, and I can't wait. I've, I've heard things about this series, but I don't really know hardly anything at all firsthand. What what kind of uh, what kind of gameplay is in this series? What do you do? So they all there's three of them so far. There's Dragon Age Origins, there's Dragon Age Two, and there's Dragon Age Inquisition. Um. Dragon Age Origins is the first game, and it is a third-person, typical Dungeons & Dragons-esque RPG. Um, Sort of, you know, it isn't a third-person, but it does have a sort of an isometric view or angle to the camera. It's not as as in-depth as, like... Like Diablo. Diablo or Baldur's Gate or Divinity. It's not that angled, but it does have a, a slight isometric feel to it. Um, okay. And it is probably the closest version of, like, Dungeons & Dragons you're going to get out of Dragon Age. It's the most typical RPG of the main games. Gotcha. Dragon Age 2 is an action RPG. Change the formula. So it's no longer, like, a turn-based isometric third-person RPG almost. This one is more still third-person, but it was action RPG, a lot more action-oriented, right? Less on the turn base, less on inputting mechanics, and more on just pushing buttons. And is probably most people's least favorite of the series. And then Dragon Age Inquisition was the third game, most recent game that came out back in 2014 that I absolutely adored. Also an action RPG, but did things way better than Dragon Age 2 did, brought back a lot of things that fans missed from Origins, and just really made a great game. Um, Sitting still at like an 89 on Metacritic or something like that. Like, it's a phenomenal game. Cool. But, yeah, looking forward to Dragon Age Dreadwolf, which I don't know what type of game that's going to be. I assume an RPG. I mean, it's going to be, but I don't know if it's going to go back to the the old style or if it keeps the the action RPG because again we haven't seen a damn thing so who knows Mm -hmm. but maybe we will this year maybe so maybe so that's cool stuff man yeah indeed well um, as we as we get ready for my second block of tracks our last block of the show before the closer um, this is a pretty eclectic mix and um, yeah you've got got an interesting assortment (laughs) here I'm I'm interested to see how this flows (laughs) yeah we will have to see Uh, 
I know the I know the music's going to be good because I mean obviously because I've listened to it, but uh, yeah, it will be interesting to hear how the styles mesh together. So, but let's go ahead and get started. First off, with Bob-omb's determination from Paper Mario: The Origami King, released July seventeenth, twenty twenty, composed by Yoshito Sakigawa, Sho Murakami, Yoshiaki Kimura, Hiroki Morishida, and or Fumihiro Isobe. Next up, we're going to listen to Cinder Boss Convexity from The Legend of Spyro, A New Beginning, released October 10th, 2006, composed by Rebecca Nibool and Gabriel Mann. Thank you. 
finally, let's listen to Majin Vegeta theme from Dragon Ball Z Budokai, released December 3rd, 2002, and composed by Kenji Yamamoto. Listening to Bob-omb's Determination from Paper Mario, the Origami King. And man, I want to talk about the music first on this one. That's fine, because I was really, (laughs) really impressed, man. This is not something that, to my recollection, because I've not finished the Origami King, you and I were discussing it. I made it to, I don't know the name of the kingdom, but it was the one that looked like it was set in like the autumn 
Like the trees were different shades of orange and brown and, you know, typical fall colors. Um, I don't think I had a chance to hear this track in the game yet to the point that I'm at because I'm not super far in. And I was blown away, man. This is so well done. And I like that we have three different takes on Westerns in just this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's really cool. Of course, you know, Wild Arms, uh, famously Western-inspired. Um, Red Dead Redemption, and now uh, now this one. Now Babom. Babom. And I don't know, um, I, I have not played this game, but when I, so this is one of the ones I looked up, and when I read the story, and then especially when I heard the theme, I was like, okay, yeah, I have to go with this. This is really cool. <laughs> um, as lots of people know, in the Paper Mario games, um, a lot of times your like, helpers are um, actual, like in, in the original Mario games, they're bad guys, like Koopas and Goombas and yeah. Shy Guys and stuff like that. Well, in, uh, in this game, one of those is a Bob-omb, and you, you and your little partner character meet this Bob-omb on a train, and... Um, at some point, he his name becomes Bobby, Bobby the bob which is super cute. Um, <laughs> and he like goes on these uh, little adventures with you, as, uh, as your psychic characters do. But then at some point in the story, uh, and it's when this theme plays, this game is two and a half years old, but it's, it's a Paper Mario game. I'm not pretty sure if you're going to play this game, you played it by now. Uh, so... I don't really mind a little bit of a story spoiler, but oh, yeah, this who is, cares? you know, uh, this, this is apparently an emotional moment um, for some people. Uh, you come up against this obstacle in your way and this music starts to play and Bobby's like, okay, I know what I have to do. And he basically oh, blow himself up. He blows himself up to get oh, rid dang. of this obstacle for you. Dang, and, the ultimate sacrifice. And there's like this emotional moment. There's like, you know, the, the characters like Mario and the little psychic characters say some nice words and Mario's got a little tear in his eye. And I know I haven't uh, seen that yet. Yeah, dang. Yeah, that's, but it's apparently a pretty impactful moment for, for some people. So that's, no. um, and you know, this song, it's, uh, it's got, I mean, determination. Uh, it sounds, it sounds determined, but there is that little bit of sadness that that spaghetti Western whistle sort of always inspires in you at least in me yeah you know no absolutely yeah melancholy yeah this is such a cool track man this is a good pick and hey the character totally fits actually for sure i mean any in any of these games the mario rpg games it's questionable as far as canon goes when these enemy characters become your friends in the rpgs but sure. I, I mean, you know, they're bad guys, but then in these games, they're good guys. That's redemption, you know? <laughs> so that's redemption. So there you go. There you go. Good pick. And this uh, this next pick of mine uh, features a character who apparently fits in with the trope of the sort of rival bad guy who then slowly sort of comes to your side and starts to be good. Uh, in gaming, some classic examples of this are like Shadow the Hedgehog. Um, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is a, well, he's probably the big one in games. Uh, there's another one that we'll be talking about in a minute, but I also want to go ahead and drop an honorable mention here real quick before we get into my Legend of Ooh. Spyro track. Um, okay. This track was almost bumped for another one because I love the character, but the track itself was just kind of meh. And that track comes from I don't even remember which game it was, but one of the games based on Avatar: The Last Airbender. 
and it was a Fire Nation track. So it was a track that would have represented Prince Zuko. And ah, okay. Zuko is maybe my favorite redemption arc. His story is maybe my favorite redemption arc in popular culture, period. Um, I'm a huge Avatar The Last Airbender fan. Uh, my kids are all big fans. And Zuko is like a favorite character for my household. It's That story is so cool. And uh, so I have to give him a shout out on this redemption episode since he is my favorite. Do you have since like you any... mentioned? I, yeah. I was going to say since you mentioned Shadow, you should also give out a, a honorable mention to uh, somebody that I would have brought potentially in Riku from Kingdom Hearts. Oh yeah, Riku was on my list specifically the uh, the version of the track from Kingdom Hearts two. Yep, um, but... Riku went down multiple arcs, right? Mm. Uh, I think every character in that series did. Oh, they have. They have. But another really cool redemption story in gaming that is worth shouting out comes from Arkham Knight, and that's Poison Ivy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Poison Ivy has had a little bit of a redemption going on sort of side by side with Harley Quinn over the last 10 years or so. That's been kind of cool to watch. It has. And... It's, it's always fun, you know, and it, it's been coming back a little more with Suicide Squad and stuff like that. When, when the bad guys end up Speaking doing of, something heroic. I can't heroic. wait to play that later this year. Yep. Rocksteady, yeah. deliver, please. Yeah, that looks, looks like a lot of fun, for sure. Sure does. And uh, I think maybe the last video game appearance of the late, great Kevin Conroy. That probably um, will be true. But... But yeah, so moving on to The Legend of Spyro, A New Beginning. This is the theme Convexity, the version with choir, that plays when you fight the character of Cinder, who um, she's apparently a bit of a badass herself and um, is is definitely unambiguously an antagonist in a lot of the, the series and in this game. But then at some point sort of turns around and starts to fight on Spyro's side. So that's all I really know. But um, this may be the most like epic track of the episode, which it's from a Spyro game. So that's crazy. And I mean, I mean, nothing really compares to Duel of the Fates, but I think this one maybe comes the closest to sounding like Duel of the Fates on the episode. (laughs) (laughs) I know I've played this game. Um, I don't remember that much about it. The Spyro games blend pretty well together for me in my brain. Um, I could not tell you one from the other. I don't know what happened in one and what happened in a different one. Uh, I've played all the Spyro games. I think they're a joy to play through, but I was a one-and-done type of thing. Like, I picked up the remastered versions when they came out and didn't even make it halfway through the first game because I'd seen it and done it before already, and I just didn't care. Um, So it's never been, like, a series that I will go back and run through these levels time and time again. I generally will play through these games once, be done with it, uh, but they're so fun to play through, and the music is always really good, but never usually like this it doesn't sound like this <laughs> yeah yeah this is this is far removed from a lot of what I've it heard is it's totally different from, from spyro and um i played a little bit of spyro here and there but kind of like you the characters never really connect with me um yeah so they're uh, just dragons yeah yeah just dragons which i mean dragons are a pretty big deal in in a, in video games we've had a, a few just on this list we got this one dragon age dragon age i thought i saw another one but maybe maybe i'm just thinking just seeing dragons seeing dragons that's right that's right man i am little side tangents uh 
since I was on the House of the Dragon episode of the movie, the Media Files, with um, with Kyle, uh, I'm yes. really excited for that series to come back. That is going to be going to be good. Did you ever watch it? Not yet. And it's good. It's different. Still got to still got to watch that. Still got to watch Rings of Power. Uh, Last of Us starts on Friday, dude. It does. I'm excited because I don't I'm know the so story. Excited. I never played the games. So I am I'm going to so have kind of a fresh effing excited for take that, on that series. Um, but yeah, for anybody who hasn't watched House of the Dragon, especially if it's because you kind of got a bad taste left in your mouth after Game of Thrones ending, it's very different. It's set way before. And the theme of the show, I would describe almost as if uh, like you take Game of Thrones and House of Cards and mash them together. <laughs> that is more like what this show is. It's a lot of political intrigue, um, not as much like big battles, although I think we're shaping up for season two to be like that. But really, really Still dragons, though. good stuff. Oh, yeah. Lots of dragons. More dragons than dragons. In the first four show. Yeah. Um, Go play World of Warcraft Dragon Flight. Yeah. Heck yeah. But yeah, Dragon's Spyro. It's good stuff. <laughs> and then moving on to uh, another dragon ish game. There are dragons in DBZ. I mean, are but, there? Uh, yeah. Uh, when you when you collect all the Dragon Balls, you summon um, you can summon Shinron. Well, I guess it's in the name. A dragon. <laughs> dragon. Who, dragon Ball. Yeah, but who, I didn't um, know if there was like actual squishes. dragons. Yeah. So you apparently haven't watched a whole lot of. of nah, DBZ. man. Um, no. I don't yeah, know much when, about Dragon Ball Z. When you collect all the Dragon Balls, you can summon this great mystical dragon named Shenron, who will grant a number I'm of wishes with that depending name. on. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely couldn't have this episode without talking about my second favorite uh, redemption character that I can think of, um, and that is Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z. Um, really, really great story arc and really impressive and nuanced in the evolution that he takes. Uh, Goku, the main character, is pretty much the same all the way through. He doesn't... He's he's pretty one-dimensional. Um, he's a goof. He likes to eat a lot. He's incredibly determined <laughs> and always looking for the next challenge and wanting to, to get stronger. But because of just the fun of getting stronger and being challenged, Vegeta always wants to get stronger at first just because of ambition because he's the prince of um basically a dead race of people um but then he wants to get stronger because he wants to beat goku <laughs> like that is everything that he sort of measures himself on is against okay. goku yeah and he starts out unambiguously as a bad guy he is going to conquer goku's planet he's going to get to kill everybody and I'm leaving out a whole bunch because if I don't, it's going to be a really, really long closer. But then at some point, he joins the good guys and reluctantly sort of starts fighting alongside them, mostly because he doesn't really have anything better to do. But then <laughs> he border. gradually gets more enmeshed. He marries one of Goku's child childhood friends, Bulma. They have a son. And at one point, uh, Vegeta is given the opportunity to unlock more of his power and he takes it because he wants to he still wants to beat Goku he doesn't really want to kill him anymore he just wants to show that he's better okay but in so doing he gets his he gets brainwashed by this wizard Bobbity and so Wait, Bobbity Bobbity yeah and Bobbity like, actually has Bibbity? like uh, he has a sibling named Bibbity 
Perfect. Um, and Bobbity is actually also the one who um, is the reason that Majin Boo comes to Earth. So you got Bibbity and then Bobbity, and then you have Boo. Perfect. <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, so Majin Vegeta. Um, Majin Vegeta is uh, Majin is sort of the title because he's now a servant of Bobbity. That's why Majin Buu is Majin Buu. Um, but he's fighting against Goku, and they fight basically to a standstill. But then um, Vegeta's kid Trunks shows up, and it's like, "Dad, what are you doing?" <laughs> and Vegeta sort of snaps out of it, and he realizes, "What am I doing? What?" what is this? And he like looks down at Trunks and he's like, why did I time, name my kid Trunks? I, I, <laughs> right. All this time I've been, you know, neglecting my family neglecting my kid. He basically has this epiphany of what really matters in his life. And ah, so, there's that word again, epiphany. Yeah, there you go. And so this, this moment, the Majin Vegeta arc is when I think Vegeta really goes through his redemption because he sacrifices himself he like self-destructs to let off this huge amount of energy in the hope that he can defeat Majin Buu by doing that. And um, so that, and I mean, it's Dragon Ball Z. People come back because that's kind of how it works. The dragons grant wishes, so people wish for other people to come back. But um, it's just, it's a really cool arc. He's one of my favorite characters. And this was also, this was a fun theme. Um, Dude, it's so good. I can't talk to you much about Dragon Ball Z as a as a franchise. I mean, if Frank <laughs> were here, you and Hib could probably talk for hours on end. Probably. he loves Dragon Ball. <clears throat> Me, not so much. But I love this theme, dude. It's very triumphant. And that guitar is a highlight. Oh, yeah. Like, it's so good. It's really 80s. Uh, the first half of the very song. Very 80s. It reminds me a lot of Rocky. Um, it does, yeah. And, uh, and with those guitar hits. But then when that um, when that really rock and electric guitar comes in, I mean, it's still 80s and it still reminds me of parts of Rocky, but it's just it's really cool. And it's got this sense of danger, this sense of triumph and like reveling in strength. And that is what Majin Vegeta, but especially what Vegeta himself is just really all about. Very and nice. it's just it's cool. This this is a cool song. So very nice. Perfect for Vegeta, in my humble opinion. And, and perfect to close out our main block of music. Yeah, man, this has been fun. I am glad that we did this uh, this pair of pair of tracks. Yeah, it was a fun um, month, right? I know we kind of focused on. Obviously, we had Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII Reunion, and River City Girls too, and of course, all the radio hour in there as well. But like, yep, for the themed episodes this month, we we had a little theme of its own with Fallen Heroes and Redemptions. So it was a lot of fun. And we still have our closeout track to get to, which we'll talk about here. That comes from Darksiders. We're going to take a listen to Darksiders' theme. Again, well, I guess I didn't say it yet, but this was composed by Chris Velasco, Mike Reagan, and Scott Morton, which when Darksiders came out, this would have been in between God of War 2 and God of War 3 back on the PS2, I think it was, or PS2 to PS3. Mm -hmm. Can't remember when the series transitioned from the 2 to the 3 because um, Darksiders came out in 2010 and the PS3 came out. So Dark, yeah, so God of War 2 was PS2 then, God of War 3 was PS3, okay. So this sounds very similar to what Chris Velasco did in that initial God of War trilogy, same time period, which is why. 
Um, Darksiders is a really great game. I don't know if you've played the initial original Darksiders. It's probably my I favorite of the not. series. I would highly recommend playing through the original Darksiders. Um, it is a, a love letter to a mature Legend of Zelda. Okay. So it plays like a darker version of Zelda. You go through and you power up and progress your character the same way that Link progresses through Zelda. There's the same type of exploration, same type of dungeon exploration and item retrieval and, you know, progression to unlock new paths and new areas using items. Like, it's it's a Zelda game. 100% a Zelda game. And it was praised for being so w well done when it released in that okay. Zelda formula. Darksiders follows War, who is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So right, he, he's in charge of keeping the Charred Council in check as their job is to maintain heaven and hell's balance to save time for humans, apparently, somehow. I don't know. doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, something happens, and War is called to Earth earlier than anticipated and tries to stop the angels and demons from fighting. But he encounters a powerful demon and falls unconscious because something took his power away. And that sets up the need for you to regain all of his abilities and powers throughout the game. So something happens, takes his powers away. And when he wakes up, he is in front of this trial or tribunal or whatever that is blaming him for the destruction of Earth and they bind a six-eyed demon named Watcher to war, and they send him to Earth in an attempt for him to clear his name. So something happened. War is getting blamed for it, right? <laughs> this redemption story is unique because it's not his fault again, right? Like, he didn't have anything to do with this. He's just being blamed for it and has to clear his name to kind of restore it, I guess, and um, I don't remember, I don't remember what happens at the end of Darksiders, to be completely honest. But the four horsemen of the apocalypse are they? You're gonna know this more than me. Mm -hmm. Are they good or bad? <sighs> the horsemen themselves are not really so. It, they're forces of nature almost like or they're forces of god's cosmic will so in and of themselves they're not really good or evil they're tools of judgment is what they are okay so fair it's kind of, that's kind of like saying is the executioner's axe good or is it evil it's just an axe you know so that's kind of like the horsemen they they don't really have wills of their own as far as you know like in in the book of revelation okay so it didn't, in theory, the character wouldn't have started out any one way, but is in now theory. being thrusted into this way because of what's taking place. Right. I mean, but I guess you could say it from, like, I think if you had a game, for example, where you had, like, uh, anthropomorphized weapons and you had, like, this tool of destruction who decided that it was actually going to be a force for good, you would call that redemption, I think, you know. Okay. Something designed to destroy but ending up saving the world that that that's a redemption arc in my book okay very cool what i think is unique about darksiders as a franchise is that it allows you to explore the different horsemen throughout its games 
So in the original Darksiders, you play as War. In Darksiders 2, which is... All, all the games are great, by the way. They're, they're great games. Darksiders 2, you play as Death. Okay. And Darksiders 3, you play as Fury. Fury, okay. Not one of the ones. And <laughs> no. Not, it's a unique one, actually. Um, but she's also a mage. She's actually a really cool character. Um, there is a, a spin-off game called Darksiders Genesis, which is a top-down hack-and-slash type of a game where I don't know exactly... I think you play as all of them because of the way the game is set up. I think all the horsemen are in this one. And then, of course, the theory is that there will be a Darksiders 4 where you play as... What, what, what are the other two horsemen? Uh, famine and Pestilence. So one of them. Yeah, one of them. Uh, pestilence, I think, would be most intriguing. This is, you know, a power set. Famine, it's like, you know, you can you can starve people to death, but I don't really Heck know yeah, what man. you would do with that. Although, so, yeah. Um, take all the food, take all the healing potions away. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> there you go. But, but this track, um, Darksiders theme from Darksiders, I know it's not War's theme. War doesn't have a theme, but Darksiders is about war, so theoretically, mm-hmm. Darksiders theme is War's theme. Yep. Um, really, really epic. Like I said, it, it reminds me very much of God of War, um, and kind of like I think Chris Velasco tapped into the fact that Darksiders was trying to be a Zelda game because a lot of this feels like that fanta- uh, fantastical feel as well, like that Zelda brings, typically. Maybe not so much with Breath of the Wild. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, this was fun. For sure. Yeah, this was really good. Um, really enjoyed this episode, and uh, I've been sort of peeking ahead at some of what we've got coming up in, in the future, and uh, I'm excited, man. These next couple months have a good mix of your ideas and my ideas and some stuff that's going to stretch me, make me have to uh, think outside the box. And you know, I love that. I'm excited. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. We're on a roll right now. Like I said, even though the episodes post sporadically here and there, um, we're still, there's still going to be more episodes released in 2023 than there are weeks in the year. Mm -hmm. Um, There will be at least one episode each week for the 52 weeks, but bonus episodes each month. There should be quite a few BG Mania episodes throughout the year. I'm really looking forward to all of them. And man, I just hope we don't slow down anytime soon because we're on a roll and it's showing. So I'd like to keep building upon that momentum. So hopefully you don't go anywhere. Not planning on it. (laughs) Don't go anywhere on me, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man, you got anything to plug before we get on out of here? No, no, not really. We haven't uh, released anything yet for the movie bar this month. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up. I'm good. All right. Well, that will unfortunately then bring us to the close of our show for this week. All about redemption arcs. It is over. The redemption arc has concluded and we can now go back to being terrible people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want to thank you for staying with us listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible, of course, by RPGR.com. If you like video game music, or more importantly, you like us and you want to help us grow this show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to join our Discord community. Click it, join it, and interact with us. Taking us out of this episode, we're going to be taking a listen once again to Darksiders theme from Darksiders. This released on January 5th, 2010, and it was composed by Chris Velasco, Mike Reagan, and Scott Morton. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.